Welcome to a spooky episode of Material Podcast. Hosted on the Relay FM network, I am one of your hosts, Yasmin Evian, and joining me as always, my awesome co-host, Chicago Sun-Times tech columnist, Andy Anako, and PocketCast app developer, Russell Ivanovich. That was uh, my take at trying to do a spooky voice, and I think I failed miserably. It, it could have been meta, a meta spooky voice. The thing is, like they've they've changed the they've moved the goalposts where it used to be, you know, Eastern European, you know, graveyard spooky, but now it's more like I'm a little Japanese schoolgirl. My hair is wet, even no. though it's perfectly See, now dry you're gonna outside. Creep me out. <laughs> I will just stand here, fifty yards away, I forgot. unblinking. I forgot oh, all about this voice. That that is, yeah. And this episode of Material, Andy and Russell just creep Yasmin out the oh, entire time. I have to say, Yasmin, you did get the hand actions right. I know no, no one will ever see them because it's an audio podcast, but you did the spooky <laughs> and your hands waved around everywhere. So I really appreciate that. And as as an Australian who is a bit foreign to this whole Halloween thing, uh, I'm really glad, glad that you guys could uh, carry the show for me. Uh, what, can, can I make up a nickname? Is that how this works? If you'd like, if if. If you're unhappy with who you are, you could lose yourself in an alternate identity, for, <laughs> and they will give you candy as an as a as an underscoring action for that. I have to say, the idea of knocking on strangers' doors and just receiving <laughs> candy is amazing. Is is there an age you have to stop doing that? Because I love the idea. Uh, of well, Andy stopped last year, so whatever that age is, I think twenty one. <laughs> well, gets, is that you're twenty two years old now, Andy? Uh, well, see, the the the, the deal is that. Uh, you, it gets even better when you get older and you become like a homeowner or a home renter or whatever. Because now you get see, I, I I've switched to the scam where uh, I buy like full size candy bars. You can, like get the commercial box of like of the Hershey bars, and I always trick myself into thinking, I don't know, it's a box of thirty, but is that gonna be? We should buy another box of thirty. And by and and the the goal is to wind up with about forty or fifty full size Snickers bars in the house that I can spend the next eight days eating, maybe six. <laughs> uh, I don't want to do the maths on that. That's that's a lot of Snickers bars. That's amazing. And I, I think the other trick apparently is to borrow like relatives' kids. Yeah, anyone you know you have kids. You're like, yeah, I'll take your kids trick or treating. I got this. Let's go get some candy. Am I doing it right? You will Just not be allowed to take my daughter tri- trick or treating. Uh, that's kind of creepy, Russell. Well, I did. I did. I did I get sort wrong. of. No, I it, did get sort it, of an insight. I was at New York Comic Con a few weeks ago, and it got it gave me this idea. A lot of parents that are uh, walking around in costume with their kids in costume, and it seems like there be, there should be like a big big Batman Brothers, little Wonder Woman sisters sort of service because like what if like you want to be like the manga character lone wolf and cub but you don't have a kid and you don't want to push her on a cart with like a doll in it if they if there's like a parent who's like gee we we really could use like the weekend off you this person this person has been vetted they've passed like cpr certification courses i i'll rent you the kid for like two eight hour periods for 250 dollars, and you can dress them up as that character so you can be you know or if you want to be calvin and hobbs you need a calvin you want to be you've got the hobbs costume yeah, rent a kid. I like it. Would, it. It, would also, it would also work in reverse for kids whose whose parents are no fun. <laughs> but Andy, I heard that the listeners actually bought you your Halloween costume. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you realize that like uh, I live in a, like a very family uh, family hip like residential neighborhood, 
and like I, I've I've definitely won them over. I've, I've definitely won them over as like the the, the bachelor, like only only bachelor, like on the on the block. Uh, I've cultivated and fortunately landed the coveted position of, uh, you know, like the 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 crackpot inventor in like all those old Disney movies. That's sort of me. So I, I fix I fix people's technology. They might find inter like you know plumes of orange smoke coming up from the chimney from time to time. Me running out, you know, with my lab coat and tatters. <laughs> hey, I've got it. I've got it. Uh, so so I so I, I do I do think it's fun to like answer the door in some kind of costume, and usually it's of the variety of. I just look around like, well, okay, I've got black pants, I've got a black jacket, I've got a white, white shirt, and a, uh, and a and a very very dark black striped tie that could look like a black tie. If I just buy a a, a felt felt hat, I could go, I could answer the door as Jake Elwood of the Blues Brothers. Okay, great, that's that's easy. Um, and so <laughs> I, I I I was on eBay and. I'm worried because I might have crossed the line into actual cosplay here because I had I already I already had like I, I, won't, I won't say what the costume is, but there's like one base item that's kind of expensive and kind of complicated that I already had. You just need to accessorize it with some very, very specific logoed items that are only like need to be custom made. Uh, and so... I'm just I'm just like googling for uh, thinking that well I'll, maybe I'll buy like the cheap sticker version of this I'll slap that on that say so, well actually what what's because we get paid from our sponsors uh, uh, Relay gives us deposits into our uh, PayPal accounts that's what every time every time I buy something on eBay I've got like eBay money you know to I've got listener listener sponsor money to spend <laughs> and I'm like no you know what here's here's a here's a craftsman who actually makes the hats exactly I'm gonna buy the the actual hat and here's like another person with like a with a, an embroidery company. Me that actually makes the actual like crew patches that you need great i will buy a complete set of the crew patches and now i'm like it, it, it arrived like uh, the boxes arrived like today and i'm like see i'm gonna have to answer see the the, the you just I, i'm trying to navigate that line between here is that that fun guy who writes about technology that you know he <laughs> that, that always stops to chat and we have great conversations when he when we're out for, to take walks if it looks like no, he really went all out. He actually, it's. It looks like he's. He thinks that there's a contest at the party later on today. That that might tip me over into the weird neighbor category. So we're we'll see what happens. I'll I'll post a picture on Twitter on on Halloween once it once it's once it's all together. But I'm I got I might have blown it with this one. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm excited to see it. I'm super excited. So it always feels like um, Mike and Steven, the people who run Real AFM, I feel like they, every time I get a little payment from them, they pinch me on the cheeks. They're like, there you go, Russell. Buy yourself something nice. You get some eBay yes. money. And you know what I bought myself? I spoiled myself. And I bought a Google on Hub. Ooh, so, the router thing. Yes, the router, um, the, the router that Google announced uh, earlier this year. We needed a new router, so I talked my husband into getting the Google one. And I said, think of all the listeners. I need to do this for them. They need to know what the experience is like. Um, so it actually arrived today, and I set it up uh, before we recorded. And uh, the setup was pretty painless. The, you know, it has the app and the, the, it interacts, uh, you know, I think it's using, using like a form of nearby um, communication. So it knows that the OnHub is nearby. And it's uh, kind of fun when you're setting it up, like when it, when it confirms that it's uh, been set up, it gives some like audio feedback, but it's like a really like lovely tone and it just kind of makes you happy for your router. 
Uh, from the router itself or from the app you're setting up? From the router itself. Oh, At least cool. it's, I think it was coming from the router. I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, it sounded nice. like it was coming from the router. So it's nice. It's a really uh, great looking device. Um, and I, you know, since we're recording right now on my MacBook Pro, I set that as a priority device. So right now uh, the MacBook Pro is getting all the priority. So hopefully we don't have any hiccups with Skype. I know we had those in the past. So I guess at the end of the episode, we'll tell you if, uh, how everything went. So, so, so you are, so you are, <laughs> so there you we are go. routing this show with an on-home right now. Yes. Wow, that's cool. Over Wi-Fi or are you wired in? Yeah, Wi-Fi. Nice. Uh, yeah, so my router is in my living room and I'm in my office. So yeah, I'm actually always connected to Wi-Fi. So we'll see how well it does. I mean, you you all look lovely and crystal clear. So I think it's working out so so far. It's going. I, I honestly think that Wi-Fi routers, or maybe even cable modems, they're sort of like the light bulbs in your house where at some point you should have swapped out your incandescence for compact compact fluorescence, and now you should be in the process of every time a CFC bulb burns out, replacing with an LED. Because with routers, if you don't replace them every three or four years, you miss out on all the new bands, all the new technology, all the new antenna steering stuff, all the new security, all the new like stuff that automatically punches holes uh, for port forwarding so instead of like looking through this horrendous you know <laughs> horrendous like finger cuffs sort of procedure trying to you know get a game console working or getting a remote access working um, so i'm using a uh, uh, an airport extreme from about must be 20 2008 2009 so it's maybe time even though it's even though it's working fine even though i could say that well it's still Wi-Fiing, I should not replace it, but I've, it's it's. I, I bet it's I bet it's sort of like when you buy you replace a car that you bought ten years ago, and suddenly your new car has a center console and it's getting thirty-eight miles to the gallon, and the seats the seats now recline. <laughs> you can press a button and the windows go down. You're like, wow, look at this. Oh, what sorcery is this? I think that's definitely a good uh, PSA. Replace your router, like you know, every four or so years, because you're missing out if you don't. If you love if you love the internet, you, you owe it to yourself. <laughs> to get your router. And now you have more than one option. Uh on Hub just announced that they are coming or Google just announced that they were coming out with a new OnHub device by Asus. And so it looks very sibl- similar to the old uh, TP Link one. <laughs> I say old, it's like a couple of weeks old, a month old. <laughs> uh, but they look very similar. But one of the differences is that uh, it says you can wave your hand over the router to activate like a priority device. And which I, I'm still trying to like wrap my head around how this works. So right now, for me to act, to make my MacBook Pro like a priority device, I just go into the app and I select my you know my my computer from there and I say, hey, make priority, and bam, it's done. Okay, so Asus is saying that you can wave your hand over it and then it will start, you know, activating the priority device. But I don't understand that. How do you choose your priority device? Is it just the one that's nearest to it? So you're saying that if I'm going to start recording the podcast, I have to like disconnect my monitors, run over to (laughs) the Wi-Fi router, wave my hand over it, and then it's going to know that my computer is right next to it. So it's going to (laughs) prioritize that. Or, hey, maybe my phone's in my pocket, and then I'll start prioritizing that. Or, hey, it's actually right next to my Chromecast, so then it doesn't know what it's prioritizing. I don't know how it works. Someone that get the Asus uh, on Hub, let me know how that works, because I just don't, I can't see the benefit of that. Uh, if you're sitting on your couch and your Chromecast is acting up, you know, you 
you stand up and wave your hand over the over the router and hopefully it prioritizes <laughs> like that just your router is failing at that point like you shouldn't have to do that so i don't know uh, I, I think you're missing the star wars angle to all this you wave your hand <laughs> over it so you're like i would like more internet please <laughs> The internet that you seek is over here. I got, I got the impression. <laughs> I, mean, like, I got the impression cool. that you designate something as the priority device, and that basically says <laughs> you run in all angry uh. and just say, "Stop <laughs> letting my son ruin my Skype. Let him die on World of Warcraft. This call is important." <laughs> but I don't know. That's I, I, I got a press release, and that's what that's the impression I got from the press release anyway. I'm hoping. Oh, okay. I mean, so I'm, you have more info. Insight yeah, I'm to hoping that. That the the I love the idea of an app based uh, control console for these things. I, it, that that confused me as well because I'm thinking that well, if if one of the selling points of at least the first Google one was that you have an app that controls things, wouldn't it be simpler simply to <laughs> take out your app, your app it shows you all the devices that are connected, <laughs> and say I want this one to get the get the big pipe. Oh well, yeah. I gotta say the app is a massive selling feature because. If anyone's ever logged into a router admin interfaces, yeah. uh, oh, interface, sorry, ninety-five percent of those are beyond horrendous. They look like they were designed, you know, ten years ago by hardware engineers and have kind of evolved yeah. since, but not really. Oh, Yasmin is showing us the app. So I'm Everything showing them the app okay. right now, and it's really pretty. Um, it looks very material, you know. Oh, and you device. can you can say a device is priority until a particular time. I yep. don't see the time. Yep. Line. So I can actually set it up for priority for one hour or two hours, like, and I set that two-hour mark, um, so it would finish after we were done recording. And yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool, and it even has like a built-in network uh, health check where it checks your you know like your Wi-Fi and all that and how fast it's going. Um, and the best part is that so if there's only like two tabs and then you scroll over to the other side and you can see that it says Wi-Fi access and then it tells you the name of your Wi-Fi. And you I can't love see your Wi-Fi name. I'm not <laughs> No, uh, no, no. In case someone comes and I have no idea. <laughs> Just enjoy the fact that Esmeen has an awesome Wi-Fi name, okay? Uh, and you it, hit the... it, it is an art form, picking Wi-Fi names. Mine, mine is called the slowest internet in the world. If anyone's ever driving past my house, that's that's my router. If you were to hit the reveal password, um, it would in like bright blue... I'll show you guys since, you know, whatever. It shows you in like bright letters what the password is. So it can, it's really easy and then you can share it uh, via text message or anything, any other app. So... So far, so good. I've had it for maybe less than an hour, so I can't tell you much of that. Uh, but it's it's really pretty. It's nice, and the app the app is yeah. nice. And that's, well, it's pretty. It's, it's pretty awesome. You've had it for one hour, and not only were you able to get it all set up, not only do you trust it enough to run a podcast from, but you're also using a, a, an advanced feature uh, effectively. So that 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 definitely says a lot. Um, I don't I don't know what it says though that. I did have I did notice that so the Google one is like a cone with a, a truncated cone with a wider part at the top. The Asus one is a truncated cone with the wider pot part at the bottom. I don't know if this is called brand <laughs> differentiation or whether they just didn't know which side of the blueprints were up when they're trying to copy it. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like mm, this, this is yeah. the way it goes. There is there's also a, a bit of news that says that uh, there's uh, an update to the firmware for all on on hub devices. The only thing that I've seen online or in my inbox about what ads is uh, they've just tweaked the the antenna algorithm. Uh, no new features, no new nothing, but that's hopefully the sort of stuff that Google has promised us that when they figure out a way to make these things work better, they'll just push out an update and make it work better. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. I actually, when I uh, connected the device 
and it said, hey, there's an update, and, and it updated and installed it. So there was already an update waiting for me. I don't, I don't think it's the same update that you get, just got the press release for, but I got an update. Uh, one, f- uh, one thing that's pretty neat, and I'll share it, I'll post a picture online. Um, but when you're setting up the, the OnHub router, there's a, it shows like a living room and there's kind of like a poster in the background. And it has uh, something that actually looks a lot like our logo, which follows a lot, you know, that material design look. So it has like these layers kind of lined up, but they're in blue. Um, so I was like, hey, that kind of looks like the material design or the material design, the material podcast logo. It, you know, I'm sure they didn't follow us, but it kind of looks like that. So that was fun. And I'll put, I'll, and I'll put a picture up there so you guys can see it, what I'm talking about. But uh, overall, it was easy to set up. Uh, it looks beautiful. And everyone is coming in crystal clear via Skype on Wi-Fi. So, so far, so good. That's amazing. Not still not available in Australia, but, oh. but 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 big news. I woke up the other day and my Twitter stream was full of uh, listeners telling me that the Nexus is now on sale Yay. here. <laughs> so you can now buy the uh, Nexus 5X and the Nexus 6P in Australia, which is cool. And 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 this is the best part is that it appears that ours ship about the same time as yours do. So now the race is on between who gets their phone first, uh, Russell. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's me. Andy's out, obviously, because he's, he's already got his, uh, <laughs> his review. You can't see me sticking my tongue out at Russell right now because we have the same <laughs> delivery date. And he is like one day in the future. Uh, I live in so the future. That's my unfair advantage. <laughs> uh, so I'm really hoping that I get it before Russell. But you know what? The same token, like, I feel kind of bad because, uh, you know, first, Andy is going to get all the devices first. That's pretty much probably going to be a given just because of what Andy does uh, for a living. And then usually I'm maybe going to be this, the second person to get that because I live in America and some things don't get shipped to Australia. So by the time, like, the new device ends up getting to Russell, we've already talked this device to death. <laughs> and so then Russell doesn't get to share, like, Hey, first everyone, just wanted points. to tell you about, oh, no, we already know about that. But no, we've talked about that. Two weeks ago. Okay, I'll just I'll sit here. So I'm almost willing to just say I haven't received my device just to let you speak about it, Russell, because <laughs> I feel so bad. But no, you know what? You're going down. I'm going to get my 6P first. If you get it before me, I am going to like contact your your wife or something and be like, please just hide this device until I get it. Like Russell cannot have it before me, you know? <laughs> uh, I've already planned for that contingency. It's being delivered here to work, a place ah. that I'm... I'm at all day, so I'll be the first person to receive it. I'll no! grab it and uh, won't let it go. It's all mine. Just hug it. Uh, but my husband's 5X did arrive, and, you know, he didn't let me set it up. I was really bummed. I even took him out to dinner the night before, and I, like, took him to a nice dinner, and we were talking. <laughs> trying to get him drunk. I was trying. <laughs> and, I, yeah, you know, I, I gave him, a, got him some beer, and I said, hey, you know, your 5X is arriving tomorrow. And like the first word about out of his mouth was, you can't set it up. You have to let me set it up. And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, this date is ruined. Let's go home. No, <laughs> it didn't work. So I, I, got, I did get home before he did. And I was like waiting patiently until he arrived. And he's like, oh, I have to stay home and uh, work late. And I'm like, no, please. I want you to set it up. <laughs> And uh, so I was like looking at it and it was like tempting me. It was like, Yasmin, will your husband really know that you opened me? And I was like, no, I love my husband. I made a vow. Leave me alone. And I resisted. I'm happy to say I resisted. And I let him open the Nexus device. And then when he finally starts opening the device, the word, first word that comes out of his mouth is, 
no, you cannot record this. And I was like, oh. <laughs> As Yasmin slowly lowers her yeah. phone down, yeah, so I'm like, turns oh, Periscope I was off. A, yeah, I was just checking my email, nothing. <laughs> but, you know, but I, uh, I had fun tweeting about that and all the listeners were like, Mr. Avian, please think of the listeners. Uh, but I did get to play with it and uh, it was pretty fun. The camera looks awesome. And, uh, you know, Andy has already mentioned that. Um, you know, compared to the Moto X, I, it'd be hard to compare the, the cameras unless I had both of the phones, uh, together, but front facing camera, the self, uh, selfie cam Moto X wins. And it's actually the, I kind of miss the Moto X, uh, selfie cam. So I don't know, Russell, if you're enjoying it, taking a bunch of selfies up in Australia or down in Australia. So it's me and the koalas. <laughs> I keep getting gonna... scratched by them, which is really annoying. The things have giant <laughs> claws. We got to do something about that. Too many animals here are dangerous. That, that's all I have to say. About yeah, we, we did get one other bit of feedback though when we were talking about um, uh, Google Maps, and you were saying that hey, I wish you know I could plot a route between here and there, but at a particular time. It turns out you can actually do that in the desktop interface, which I yeah. didn't know. I didn't know that either. So as soon as uh, one of the listeners let me know, I went and checked, and you could which is pretty neat. I did know you could do that. Um, so you can do that from the Google Maps uh, desktop site. So if you want to know how long it's going to take you to get somewhere and it's in the future and then you want to know the different times, go to the desktop app and it will tell you that, which is pretty awesome. And I hope they bring that to mobile first. And uh, yeah, we actually had a lot of listeners tell us like, no, you could do this, <laughs> which was uh, which was fun. And I was like, sorry, someone already had their like first, you know, like first comment you know it was like you can do this and everyone but uh it was fun thank you listeners for bringing that to our attention because we didn't know you could do that so we all we are all learning from each other which is wonderful (laughs) (laughs) and a bit of i don't know if this is spooky scary news um for russell oh you could see his head right now it's just hanging in shame um Russell, there is something that Google announced uh, today that actually will affect you a whole lot, or maybe not. I do not know. But uh, they are adding a podcasting uh, service onto Google Play Music. I think Russell is already aware of that, yes, being, but I think he's, I think he's only too aware of that. I think that's weighing heavily on his mind. <laughs> Well, um, look, if, if any of you guys have like a space to rent that you can, uh, you know, give give a poor developer, you know, I'm, I'm willing to, to move across the country if you pay for my flight. No, um, yes, I, I, I did. I did wake up to this news. I mean, I think I think this has been building for a while, if, if we're being honest, like the podcasting has, I don't know whether it's become more popular. I mean, I suspect that it has because it's on an upward trend, but it seems to have slowly entered the mainstream. So with things like Serial um and other big sort of breakout podcasts like that a lot more people are talking about podcasts and like you know have you heard this podcast and you know isn't podcasting the future and how cool is podcasting and it it seems to have slowly you know gained mainstream attention and i think from there it was kind of inevitable that more people would want to be involved so we've heard a lot from um uh, different startup founders and things that want to do different kind of things in the podcasting space and like hey we'd like to you know, partner with you and do this and that. And I'm like, oh, you know, maybe, maybe not yet. We'll, we'll see where it goes. And I always wondered, you know, is, is there going to come a day when Google becomes involved in podcasting? Because historically Apple, you know, has been t- into it in a, in a big way. They, I don't know if they launched the medium, but they certainly gave it a huge kick back when they um, integrated podcasting into yeah. iTunes. And they, they've definitely been on board since. You know, they have, the, I guess you can call it the canonical resource of, of all podcasts in 
in their directory. They have apps on all their platforms to listen to them. And, you know, they've they've been pushing that for a long time. And I always wondered, you know, is Google going to do that one day? So this is this is the first step announced today from Google where they've said that um, podcasts are going to be, you know, part of Google Play Music. Um, podcast authors can submit uh, their RSS feeds to them and Google will, you know, suck those up and grab all the um, the episodes that are in there and make them available for streaming through Google Play Music. Um, they haven't really said much more than that. I mean, I heard a few whispers um, before this point, but nothing sort of concrete. And I, I still don't know that that much about it right now, except that, like I said, it's going to be integrated into Google Play Music. It'll be on both the, the free and the paid tier. And there'll be some way to, to get at your podcast, both on Android and on iOS. I think in terms of how that affects Pocket Cast initially, probably not a huge deal. I'm, I'm honestly happy just to see more people have a way to to get to their podcast. I think that's that's really cool. And I think we, we saw this happen with Apple. So I think it was about iOS 6 maybe or 7. Apple actually introduced their own podcasting app. They didn't have one before that. You had to go through the iTunes thing and sync it to your um, phone and everything else. And when Apple brought out their podcasting app, everyone contacted us and like, oh, I feel so sorry for Pocket Cast. You know, you've kind of pioneered this um, custom app thing. And it turns out it, it actually affected us in a positive way. Um, the, literally the day Apple launched their app and kicked everyone out of iTunes, our sales doubled and they've, you know, they've been pretty high ever since. So you, you can coexist, you know, with a giant vendor who, you know, people look at it like, oh, there's the, you know, 40 pound gorilla in the room and this thing's going to crush you. And 400 pound, I think I got those measurements wrong. We, we, don't, we don't do pounds here in Australia. Uh, <laughs> lots of kilograms. Um, but honestly, at this stage, we're not worried. I'm, I'm more happy just to see, you know, podcasts come to all places. I, I think that's kind of cool. And I think one thing to note is that you won't be able to find all the podcasts on the Google Play Music um, app because it, only the ones that are submitted to Google Play Music are the ones that are going to be available. So I don't know if people are going to get frustrated if they're like looking for a podcast and then they you know can't find it, so they just go continue using the app that they're using for a podcast. Um, but you know, I think this this is really cool in a way that it will get more exposure for people that maybe don't really understand the whole podcasting thing, and maybe they'll come to know a new podcast through it. And you know, we we talked to Relay FM and asked them, hey, are we are we going to be on there? And they're still investigating what it all means uh, because it looks like the files are actually going to be uploaded to Google Play's uh, servers. And so we just we don't know how that all plays out. So we're uh, everyone's still investigating. Yeah, I also imagine that Google would like to have access to those files so that they can analyze them and maybe do analytics on them or even do like transcript searches on them. Uh, that would be kind of amazing. Of course, this is just speculation, but that would be kind of amazing if there's so many shows that I enjoy, but I don't necessarily have time to listen to for 90 minutes a week, not times 10, only times like three or four shows. And so if I could just simply tell uh, tell an app like Pocket Cast or any other app, Give me every episode of Accidental Tech Podcast in which they're talk, talking about toaster ovens, uh, or or any, anything anything in which John Syracuse talks <laughs> that, for more than eight query. minutes. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, so it's it's there's a lot of it's it's really it's so it's so weird once you slap the Google name on anything because you start wondering uh, they a they have a big imagination and they have an enormous number of resources and they they don't have the responsibility of having to do something just because it's profitable because anything that gets that gets you to spend more time inside the Google ecosystem is 
uh, along the line going to be more profitable for them. So if they could turn this into a way to make podcasts even more flexible and even more accessible, that'll be great. Uh, there are a lot of people that will never uh, that will never discover podcasts if they have to leave their usual music player app to go to another app in order to make that happen. Uh, and I mean, I'm not I'm I'm not worried about uh, the future of apps like yours because that experience is always so much better than it's, it's so much better to have an app for podcasts than to have a podcast feature in a music app. Uh, because this just never, even just the simple question of how do you add features to an existing user interface that's based on tracks and albums and playlists. And how do you integrate podcasts into that versus here is an app that understands that you listen to podcasts Kind of like you listen to the radio. You just listen to them so much differently. So, I mean, I think the the, the biggest gift that Apple gave to podcasters, well, the, the single biggest gift was for the first time consolidating all the podcasts into one centralized directory for everybody to find them in. But the second one was having such a terrible, terrible, terrible podcast app for so many years <laughs> that made so many developers just out of – just because they wanted a decent podcasting app to write their own and then users saying, oh, thank God, we don't have to use the Apple podcast app. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think if I take off my, de- I'm not actually wearing a hat, but if I were to take off my developer hat for a moment, I, as a listener of podcasts, I'm a little bit disappointed that they didn't come out with their own app. Yeah, like I, I think there is something to what you're saying, Andy. Like a, a piece of music is generally, you know, two and a half, three, four minutes long. Uh, a podcast can easily be an hour. You know, some some other podcasts that you know are really popular can go into three hours. And I think to treat those two things the same and to treat something that's episodic so podcasts generally come out you know weekly or fortnightly or monthly there's a there's a release cycle to them whereas with music you know you get an album and then maybe a year later or two years later you get another album I think they're completely different forms of media like yes they're both audio and yes you can put them both through an audio playing interface you know that makes sense at a technical level but I would have personally preferred and I know this would have been terrible for our business but I would have personally preferred if Google had made their own um, dedicated podcasting app, you know, and just said, hey, if you want to listen to podcasts, you know, it's part of the the Google suite, the same way you download Gmail or you download um, Google Play Music, you can now download, I don't know, Google Podcasts, Google Play yeah. Podcasts, whatever they would have called it. And here's a dedicated space for this whole thing. I know that that potentially has some downsides in terms of discoverability. Like the one benefit of being in the music app is that, you know, people who listen to music and don't know about podcasts or don't know how to get into podcasts, Will maybe discover them. They'll be like, "Oh, hey, cool! Here's a show called, you know, Material. I might, I might, you know, play that and see what it's about." But I think on the other end, people who listen to podcasts a lot are probably going to be frustrated to try and, you know, dig through them in in a music app. Like it's never going to be a great experience. Yeah, particularly it's 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 like it's a company like Google can really help everybody out just by able to say, "We noticed that not only do you download the Material podcast, but you listen to every episode that you download." If you are interested in that, here are other podcasts with these same people. Here are other podcasts with the same topic. Here are other podcasts that people who subscribe to and listen to materials seem to like and listen to. Uh, so it, it could work out pretty nicely. But it, it does make it does make me ask you like one of the things one of the things I love about your app is that you put it on so many different devices. And it seems to me like there are so many opportunities to extend the reach, like uh, uh, the next generation Apple TV, the first one that actually allows developers to write iOS apps for it, uh, starts shipping later this week. Are you going to be doing uh, Pocket Cast for devices like that or even for uh, Amazon Echo? Yeah, we, we have been looking into that sort of thing. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say, but if I was allowed to say, there may be an Apple TV just one meter through this wall that I could uh, touch. 
<laughs> and it, it is an interesting platform because um, for the first time in the Apple ecosystem, at least, you've got a place where you can build native applications. So it's not like Chromecast where you have to uh, rely on your phone to push something out there. You know, it's just on your TV and you navigate it with with a remote. So that that is a, an interesting place to bring things like podcasts, especially I think video podcasts. You know, if you've yeah. already got um, your television mm-hmm. and it's already plugged in and you've already got this big screen, like why not put some you know, content on there that, that you want to have. So there are things we look at. I, I guess the problem is that not being Google, you know, we have very limited resources. We literally have three developers in our entire company and we're, we're always mindful that every new platform that we join is something that we have to support, you know, going forward. So we're, we're probably realistically for the next few months, we're kind of at our limit. Like I'm working on a, a huge iOS update, you know, there's things um, in the works for Android, um, we're also upgrading our web player, which is which is something that we have as well. And <laughs> to to go beyond that, like I'd really love to. Like I've been playing with this um this Apple TV that I don't have. You know, <laughs> I may have played with it, and it's it's a really nice experience. You know, I'd I'd like to see Pocket Cast on there, but it's always a question of resourcing. Like as as a tiny company, like how do you how do you manage all that? Yeah, I imagine it's not just writing the code; it's also supporting the users that are going to be using the software. Yeah, yeah. Not only that, but it's the the business model as well. So we're starting to reach the limit of um, things we can sell you. So every single thing that we sell at the moment is a once-off purchase. So I think Pocket Cast is around $4 um, on iOS and Android. The web app is $9, again, a once-off purchase. And if you start to be on every single platform and every single one of those platforms, you charge your users, you know, 4 or $5, that starts to look a bit weird. You know, you're in the Pocket Cast ecosystem, but you're paying us $4 20 different ways. You know, that doesn't feel right. So we're mindful of that as well. Eventually, when you get big enough, you need to flip that model around to to be something else. Like charging for every single instance of Pocket Cast everywhere starts to become like a little bit tedious. I'm just happy to have Pocket Cast wherever I need it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not on your toaster yet, though. I think I yeah, it's not on my toaster. That. Really, kind of bummed about that. I think I sent a feature request <laughs> for that. Uh, <laughs> if you could please stop writing to us yet, man, that, <laughs> yeah. that would be appreciated. <laughs> We've heard you. We've heard your feedback. We understand. It's just too bad that you can't get. I, one one of the things that disappoints me about like the modern app environment is that it seems like Apple has really trained a lot of people to not expect to pay for software, and when they do, to think that ninety nine cents is kind of okay, two ninety nine okay. Well, if it's great. But if you say, well, there, here, we've got this new app suite. It's called Microsoft Office. It does documents. It does uh, professional-level spreadsheets and also professional. It's going to be everything you ever need to run your office, and we're going to charge $10 for it. Like, oh, for God, this should be free. Come on. You don't realize they get a text editor free with Windows. Okay, you're competing with free. I mean, so I, I, I like... I, I like the idea when there's an app that I really, really like. I, I realize that this isn't you know mainstream stuff, but I kind of enjoy the ability to keep giving these people money th- that they deserve for apps that are really, really great. Uh, I love. I, I um, actually speaking of podcasts, I think Marco Arment, uh, the new version of Overcast, uh, has gone to a. It used to be free, but for the really cool features, uh, uh, we're going to charge something like $5 or maybe even $10. What, what struck me as, oh, good, he's charging a good amount of money for uh, for these good features. Now he's gone to sort of a Patreon sort of thing where it's always free. If you love the app, here's a way to give me a dollar a month uh, automatically for using it. And it's like I'm so – I wish that – I hope that that model would work for every single developer and I hope that it gives a pe- people to encourage that. I 
getting back to New York, New York Comic Con, I love going to the booths of the, the and the artist section of uh, the artists I love and the writers I love. They have like little handmade like sketchbooks and like stapled together from Kinkos. And I don't necessarily need this ten or fifteen or twenty dollars sketchbook, but I like to here is I like your stuff. Here is some money. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not just going to like say I like your stuff. Here is some money that I earn with my labor that I could be used to spend to buy three or four burritos that I instead giving to you so you can have three or four burritos. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I mean, since since 2008, when the app thing really took off, like developers have been having this discussion constantly. And I, I know it's not a new discussion. Like there there were artists, you know, obviously before app developers, there was painters and there was, you know, comic book authors and there was lots of other people, you know, trying to figure out how to get paid for, for you know, the art that they're making. And we now have the same problem. So, uh, you know, Apple and later Google enabled this whole thing where we have a way to get directly to consumers. And that's really amazing, you know, that I can, um, you know, build an app, you know, that started off on the couch and package it up, uh, give it to you, get some money from you. And we have that relationship. That's That's really cool. But... The problem is that there are now millions of apps, you know, just like it. And every single uh, space, no matter how successful, has, you know, five, six, seven, eight competitors. And then all the big companies get to sit back and see what's popular. So they're like, hmm, well, that looks interesting. That, that category is becoming popular. And companies like um, Apple and Google, they have all your sales data. And I'm sure they sit down and they go, oh, that's interesting. Like podcast app sales are up 300%, you know, this quarter. Hmm. Like maybe this is something we need to get into. And that's... That's always the interesting part is how can how can you compete against all these bigger companies? How can you compete against um, – there are now companies smaller than us. So there's, you know, the the stereotypical, you know, one girl in the basement of her grandma's house or whatever, you know, no zero cost whatsoever um, coding up an app. You know, how do you compete with that when we have an office and we got staff to pay and that sort of thing? And at the same time, how do you convince users that as all these people are in competition and prices are going down and down and down – how do you convince them that it's still worth, you know, paying for things? And so far, um, we've had a good, pretty good run. And I think that's partly because podcast is, is still a little bit niche. So the people that listen to podcasts tend to be, you know, fairly passionate people. They'll tune in every week. They'll engage with the show. You know, they'll, they'll write us, you know, tweets and emails. And they're, they're the kind of people I think who are a lot more likely to pay for things. But I think as podcasting, um, if it does become more mainstream, then you start to hit the people that, I, I don't think of them as uncaring. Like I, I always <laughs> just think it's it's not their job to care about my business model. You know, I don't expect the average person to, to sit around and go, how does Russell make money? You know, how can I make Russell more money? That's, that's not their job. That's that's my job. That, that's, that's what I'm here to do. And the fact that they don't care about that and the fact that they expect apps to um, to be free is just that's a modern reality. I mean, that's just how life is. And it's it's our job, I guess, as app developers to try different things. So you know, the, the Marco's trying the patronage bottle. I've seen other people trying that purchase. I've seen other people, um, you know, try yearly subscriptions. That's that's another way that developers seem to be um, trying to get a, around the fact that you can't. I think the the biggest holdup, and I don't want to talk about this for too long because I'm mindful that I've, I've probably already talked enough, but I think one of the biggest holdups is that traditionally when you sold software, I would give you version one for, say, $30. And then I'd say, hey, you know, a year later, version two's out. Since you bought version one, you can have version two for $9. You know, what, what a great deal, jump on board. And there was that model for getting existing customers a cheaper price and, you know, new customers the full price that we don't really have as app developers, you know, in this this modern world. It's just there's a once-off fee or it's free or there's an app purchase or the subscription. You know, you have to figure out all these different ways of doing businesses. And that's, yeah, I guess that's the reality of it. And I mean, so far we've done it right. I, I have no complaints. We have a lot of amazing um, customers. 
um, we make enough money to cover all our costs and, you know, things are pretty good. If that changes in the future, then, you know, you got to go with it. Yeah, I I like the way that Google Play gives you the option to kind of test an app for, what is it, 24 hours, 48 hours? I can't remember. They changed that uh, not too long uh, ago. They keep changing the numbers. I think it's yeah. down to four hours now. Oh, four, I thought... I thought it was a lot longer. No, maybe I not. I think it's, yeah, but it used to be 15 minutes. So any, <laughs> any oh, increase is a... <laughs> I think it was, I think it was, like, it was days, like a year. It I think it was like hours. a year. I think you could test it for a year. No, and kidding. then it went down to 15 minutes. I'm pretty sure now it's at an hour or two. An like hour? It's not, oh, my bad. Not, 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 yeah. not a couple days. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but that was actually... I really enjoyed that aspect of it because there has been some um, icon apps, you know, that I, I want to download. And I'm like, do I really want these icons on my, you know, on my phone? And then I'm like, yeah, you know, there's there's two dollars or a dollar and which is yeah, I'm happy to pay for that. But I'm like, I don't know if I really like it. So being able to download it and say playing around with a little bit and say, yeah, I kind of don't like these icons. I would just want to go back to what I was and I can return that. Um, being able to do that, I think, gives develop like the developers the ability to have maybe even a higher price because I'm willing, like, I'm willing to pay that price, but sometimes I don't know if this product is going to work for me. And if the price is too high, then that's something that I have to give up without knowing if, it, if I will actually benefit from it. But um, if it is an app that I really do want to enjoy, like, yes, take my money. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think part of the problem we have there is, um, do you guys have the saying that the horse is bolted? I assume that's in the US as well. No? Uh, I mean, it's basically close, the, you open close, the gate, the horse has run off. Close the, oh. the barn door after the horses have left, yeah. Yeah, it's too late. Like, you, you can't get the horse back. And that's that's partly what's happened in the app ecosystem. We've had this sort of race to the bottom. Um, there's now the expectation that you better have a really, really, really good reason if your app isn't completely and utterly free and free of ads as well. And so now we're kind of stuck with that. You know, we we as developers, you know, collectively have, have driven ourselves to this point and now we have to decide, um, yeah, basically how do you stay yeah. in business? Like now that we're at this point, how, how do we slowly back away? What, what have we done? I, I think also the fact that like once you get an app, it seems so permanent. Okay, so correlate to having a going out for like a dinner, right? It's like you have this one meal and you're paying for it. And even if this meal is kind of terrible, you paid for that already and you already ate it and you're like, well, I know not to come here again. But even if it's the same price, like with an app, it's like, I gave you this money and now I'm kind of stuck with you. I don't know. <laughs> it just, it's a weird way of thinking, but, well, and maybe the fact that it's software and you can't tangibly see it, it's hard for people to understand like the worth of that. I don't know. Well, part of it, part of it is unique to Android where sometimes you don't know what features are going to be enabled or disabled uh, based on what hardware you have. I was checking out uh, different photo apps and uh, one of the better pro photo apps, you know, that gives you all kinds of manual controls. It actually has a free app that you run to just simply report back. Here are the features of this app that will run on your phone before you commit to making a purchase of a five or $10 app. Um, but, uh, and so many, uh, let's, we can talk about app stores in general about the, because this is affecting the entire climate. Uh, Apple's app store, for instance, Apple, create so many restrictions upon what developers can do and how they can release their software, how they can upgrade it and what, how they're the contact they can have with their users. Uh, it's, uh, it is kind of scary when you're about to click buy it now for a $30 app, not really knowing if it's going to work or not. So you're just watching as many YouTube videos as you can, reading as many reviews as you possibly can. <laughs> and then, you know, if, if it's no good, that's tough darts on you. Uh, because Apple doesn't allow a developer to release a demo version of the of the of the product, um, and it makes it kind of difficult for a lot of these developers to 
move forward. I, I do know a bunch of developers, a few developers at least, that have decided to withdraw from the App Store, uh, at least on the Mac desktop, because there are just so many requirements they have to they have to uh, they have to keep up with. Not just demoware, but also um, uh, a good friend of mine is the developer of BB Edit, which is kind of the standard uh, developer's text editor for the Mac. And he uh, he ga- he gave a talk at a conference uh, earlier this year. Uh, I'm sorry, at single at the Singleton conference, I think it was last year, as a matter of fact, that really explained his difficulties with the App Store. Uh, and part of it is that he's required by Apple that whenever they have certain APIs, he has to make sure that his app supports all those APIs, whether they're completely relevant to what his app wants to do or not, or whether or not he has plans for improving the, the app that does not include uh, supporting Apple's cloud service. Uh, but now here he is diverting you know, his, his small team of develop, developers to supporting this one thing that's not terribly relevant to developers, that if he wants uh, BB Edit to be part of the App Store, uh, then that's the only that they will not accept it without that, and so that's why he decided for his company that well, okay, we're gonna uh, if you if you bought uh, BB Edit through the App Store, we will honor that purchase, but we are gonna just simply sell all of our apps directly to consumers from now on because it's just too much trouble. We can't we can't do what we want to do with this app by uh, by conforming to App Store rules. So Android isn't in the same sort of pickle because you still have the ability to dig down into settings, flip a switch, and run unsigned apps. You can still switch to a different app store if you'd like. Uh, but um, it's just a demonstration that there's an upside to having a centralized app store, but there's such a big downside that the consumers are never, ever aware of. Yeah, no, that's definitely the case. I know a lot of Mac developers as well who um, rushed headfirst into the Mac app store, and then when things like um, sandboxing and restrictions and different sort of rules came down from Apple – they they all slowly backed out one by one, and I think they're all you know back to selling from their websites just because, you know, the promise of what an app store could be like from a user point of view is you go there, here's your entire collection of everything, you push one button, we've already got your credit card, purchase, install, done. You know, if you buy a new a uh, new Mac, you you can download again, no problems. That that hasn't quite panned out, and I I don't know if Apple and um microsoft even fully understand that like microsoft and windows 10 have the same thing you know you've got the the windows app store where you can buy your windows apps you know on the mac you've got the mac app store i i just don't think the the proposition of either of those is that great i think the reason app stores took off on the mobile is one on ios it was the only way to get apps so unless you jailbreak um your iphone which is basically you know circumnavigating all the um the signing and everything required to 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 get other stuff on there unless you do that and that's that's a pretty involved process then you can't get apps from anywhere else android is a little bit different like you say andy you can tick a checkbox saying you know hey i want to allow unsigned apps and then someone can send you um, what's called an apk and you can install it like that it is a little bit more open but there's still a huge barrier there you know the things we're used to doing on the desktop going to someone's website downloading something um everything else you can't you can't really do that on your phone as easily you know there are a lot more barriers and i think that's that's why the App Store is so popular on on Android as well, because it's an easy place just to go and hit one button and you know get your favorite app. Yeah. You know, someone had the chance to see what hard work goes into building apps that we all love to uh, play with, and it was a 97 year old woman. Uh, her name is Olive Horrell, and she was taking to Google. I think there was uh, through one of those. Uh, um, foundations that allows, uh, I think it was a wish of a lifetime yeah, foundation, make a, wish. a nonprofit that, 
make a wish. So it was sort of so it was a, it granted senior citizens uh, wishes and she wanted to go to Google. Uh, as a kid, she wanted to be an engineer and her father was actually an engineer. But then her father said, no, you can't be an engineer because there is no women um, in that industry. And so she didn't pursue a life of engineering, which is kind of like a terribly uh, sad story. But it's actually she has so much fun um, on the Google campus and they treated her as her guest and showed her all the amazing things that Google is doing. And the video is like just delightful. And you can just hear her. She puts on the Google cardboard and she's viewing around and she goes, she's just like so excited. And she's like, yeah. If you can't tell, I am seeing something because I guess that, like, right before that they asked her, "Hey, can you see it?" Um, and they, and then the video they say, "Spin around," and she's like looking through the Google cardboard, and she's like, "Wait, I can turn my head," and she kind of turns around and then says, "They're like turn around the entire way," and she's like looking all around her, and she's like, "Whoa!" Like it is all around me. She was just so excited um, to see that, which was really fun because I love showing my grandma um, the cool things. Like we've done the video hangouts with uh, with my husband when he's like on a plane and she just gets so excited like oh he's he's fixing a plane right now that's so cool <laughs> uh, so it was really fun to see this uh, this woman get really excited for google technology they took her in the self-driving car to all the free food as uh, we learned in the internship that you can get at google <laughs> um so she she just had so much fun and was just really uh you know, excited to see that what can be done with technology. And uh, in the video, she says, you know, this is all really cool, but I do think that a lot of young people are losing themselves in technology and need to look up. <laughs> <laughs> so she gave, you know, that one word of advice. <laughs> I, I do think it's amazing to see that someone who would have witnessed like so much change in their lifetime. You think about, you know, a time before, apparently when she grew up, you know, there was no electricity, no radio, no cars, that sort of thing, you know, somewhere in rural Montana. And to to still see in your lifetime, you know, a, a car basically driving itself to a place where you can put in a pair of goggles and, uh, you know, look at somewhere completely different in the world without having to go anywhere is, yeah, I think it's really cool. I, I know it's a human interest story. I know it's a bit cheesy, but I love it. I just love it. Yeah, particularly when you think about uh <laughs> this 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 woman has had uh, has a, a has had a level of adventure uh in her in her life there's a piece on cnn about her about how she was hiking <laughs> she's hiked the slopes of uh, mountains in nepal she'd uh talk about the computers that she saw that ran on punch cards uh it's i i'm, I'm i wonder what access she had to technology over the past 10 to 30 years because if I had not seen if 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 I had not seen technology since 1994 95, I would be probably just as dazzled by what I see today as what a 97 year old person has uh, has seen right now. Uh, because everything is just completely different. It's like our our education that we built up through the mid '90s. You just have to. It's like a backpack. You now have to take off and dump by the side of the road because it now contains cassette tapes and it contains film cameras and it contains all kinds of junk <laughs> that's not going to be of any use to you whatsoever. Uh, now that uh, now that we're in the in that modern age, um, but it's 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 also really cool that again this is a it's not the Make a Wish Foundation. This is a foundation that. Uh, 
that uh, is called Wish of a Lifetime, and it is for uh, granting senior citizens' wishes. And the articles say that she took three years to decide like what she wanted to do. And given that this organization is going to do whatever, try to fulfill whatever wish she asked for, she wanted to go to a corporate campus and look at technology. That was that was pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool of her, and also a, a pretty cool ask. I'm not I'm not certain that I wouldn't have asked for the the same thing. But the, the, the thing that kind of leaped out at me um, kind of had nothing to do with the technology or Google. Uh, and this is also quoting the CNN piece. Uh, wish of a Lifetime founder Jeremy Bloom doesn't stop in on every wish. The organization grants about one wish a day. Granted wishes have included reuniting three sisters on their hundreds and taking a Mississippi woman to see the ocean for the first time in her life. But Bloom couldn't pass oh. up a trip to Google to meet Olive, the, a former two-time Olympic skier and NFL player who now runs a tech company in Arizona. Bloom founded Wish of a Lifetime years ago, inspired by his own grandparents. Now here's the quote. You're such a gentle soul. It's been, it's just been lovely to meet you. An emotional olive told Bloom, holding his hand. Most of the time, we aren't seen, as you know. And that's just something that really hits home because, you know, even if even if you have relatives, even if you're cared for, your circumstances and your health oftentimes mean that your life consists of this one house that you live in and occasional outings, uh, and you don't get to see a lot of elderly people that simply get to experience the real world as we get to experience it. And so it really is insightful and maybe a little uh, realize, realizing that I'm an idiot, that this line just sort of reminded me that there's a lot that there are a lot of people out there that are not being reached by all this great stuff that we're talking about and that we're getting to use. And that maybe it's our responsibility to send those balloons out to where they can put some light into people's lives yeah i mean even just recently like um i think of my grandma she's not um quite as old as as olive was but she she never really got into computers and never really sort of used technology one day she's like oh, i've heard about this iphone thing you know i i really want one and at first like my wife and i were talking about it and we we almost laughed it off we're like hard oh, you know my grandma has never touched a computer once an iphone isn't that funny but then i thought about it and i thought you know wouldn't wouldn't it kind of be an amazing experience if we got her maybe like an iPad or something like that, put it in front of her, set it all up and just said, hey, here, like have a play. And I got to do that, you know, a few years ago. I went to her house, you know, I put in a SIM card, I set it all up, I gave it to her. And just to watch her like discover all these different apps, it was it was so amazing, you know, to realize she cottoned on really quickly. You know, you can send people messages, um, you know, anywhere in the world. She was on board with that. You know, you can look at um, Google Maps and you can see the whole earth. She was on board with that. And then... The, the next thing she did, and this was really interesting, is she downloaded Angry Birds and she got that straight away as well. You know, she pulled the bird back and flew into the building and she loved it. She's like, this is so amazing. And it struck me at that moment that, yeah, we do we do sometimes ignore old people a bit and we kind of assume that because they're not as up with technology as we are that some, somehow they're different to us. But I think in a lot of cases, you know, they love discovering all the same things about, you know, tech that we do, which is, yeah, really cool. Yeah, well... Before 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 we go, uh, we will hopefully ship this in time. That Google's latest, incredibly important and incredibly expensively produced product can help you out. Uh, they've just released Google Google Fright Fest, which is uh, an analytics tool. You can go to uh, at Fright Fest, I'm sorry, Frightgeist. Uh, frightgeist.withgoogle.com. The link will be in the show notes. 
uh, and it will show you. You tell you tell it like where you live, and it will show you uh, based on Google search patterns the costumes and characters that are of greatest interest to people in costume in your area. Uh, or if you just want to think about, gee, I'm, I'm considering going as Captain Jack Sparrow. You can search for Captain Jack Sparrow in this tool, and we'll tell you how likely it is you'll bump into other Captain Jack Sparrows if you're going out <laughs> trick or treating that night. <laughs> So I, I got I got to tell you on the east coast apparently I'm just looking at America poison ivy is very popular on the west coast though it's the nearest to Targaryen so there must be a lot more um, Game of Thrones fans over on the west than there is in the east look at that yeah it's fun to looking at it so I'm hovering over Arizona and Phoenix Star Wars is the the costume of choice and but I'm looking at Yuma and Yuma's like a like a small city um, south and it's Wonder Woman which is pretty awesome she's going to be the <laughs> the number one um, and Wonder Woman's awesome so I'm excited Tinkerbell in uh, Idaho has uh, a lead <laughs> and Hippie in Colorado <laughs> okay this isn't surprising in Colorado <laughs> the number one character is a hippie well they're, dress they're dressing like that anyway yeah <laughs> 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 So this is really fun. Uh, okay, no, just check a fun tool Portland. to see what's going on. Okay, that's yeah. What's Portland? <laughs> Star Wars pirate superhero witch Harley Quinn. Uh, Harley Quinn is popular everywhere, so that's fine. But I, I, I have to question which because Portland just sounds like the sort of town that would say if you showed up in a witch's costume, you'd get a lecture and a pamphlet about how Wicca is a legitimate religion that predates Christianity, and how dare you. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you ask for candy after after delivering a hate crime to my doorstep? <laughs> Although uh, U.S. national rank of seven uh, downtrending in the category of fictional trends, <laughs> trend over. T <laughs> See, this is funny because today's today's the day that Apple had their earnings call, and so like every single thing in my Twitter stream is some chart or some graph. And so now I have now here I am once again looking at charts and graphs over the trend over time for which costume service, uh, searches that was flat through 2006 peaked slightly in 2013 dipped again had another surge <laughs> in 2014 uh i'm <laughs> you have a frighteningly high chance of seeing another witch costume at a, so show something less popular it's saying registered nurse okay i'm not sure <laughs> yeah. i'm not sure if that's a good look for me I, I got to say the if you if this was a stock market the one safe one to bet on would be superhero because that's trending up consistently. <laughs> Robot uh, U.S. national rank of one forty five. So oh, was that your pick for the uh, top up and coming stock? Uh, uh, no, I I I have no idea. Like what would be what would be the number? I'm thinking Supergirl would probably have a good lead because that was just uh, out this week, yeah. but um, probably not out in time for a lot of the, uh, you know, kids to dress up as her. So let's, I, I'm, I'm curious, Supergirl, what are you right now? Like, where are you? Ah, oh, 479. So she's not doing so hot. Maybe next year. Well, Minions are but Wonder ranked Woman. at eight. Yep. So... <laughs> <laughs> Wonder Man, uh, Wonder Man, Wonder Woman is uh, ranked ten, but it's actually going down. Hmm. Um, so we'll see. We'll see by Halloween if Wonder Woman what what spot she has on the national average. Uh, this is a this is a really just fun nerdy thing. If you like data, uh, you know I I love data and seeing just what people are doing. So this is just kind of a fun thing. Uh, and 
what is that? Uh, Alaska, everyone's a pirate. Look at that. And Chucky. You think, you right. think you'd want yeah. something warm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about Nome, Alaska? Yeah. And in uh, Hawaii, a pirate again, which, you know. Maybe 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 this is not very fine grained. <laughs> Billings, Montana, di- number one dinosaur, number two Star Wars, number three Catwoman, number four winged monkeys, and then five the Wizard of Oz. Don't know why Wizard of Oz is so big in Billings. Did they just get that movie over there? And wing, a, winged yeah. winged monkeys. They got four and yeah. five. So number one trending right now is uh, Harley Quinn. Yep. So I I'm assuming it's because of the what's that show called the the new like Batman Gotham kind of spinoff. Pop, yeah. they, possibly, <laughs> possibly because there's <laughs> a, there's a new uh, DC's hero movie, uh, Suicide Squad, that she's uh, promoted in. But Harley Quinn is a hugely popular costume character. Just at the con, it's like you almost don't even bother taking pictures of Harley Quinns because you're then you would be doing nothing but taking pictures of Harley Quinns or Harley's <laughs> Quinn, Harley's comma Quinn. <laughs> anyway, it just, it does it just goes to show you that uh, Google has access to a lot of analytics and a lot of information. Uh, it's as as we keep coming back to a recurring theme of this show is that you could sp- almost anything that Google does could be spun as wow, isn't it wonderful the things that you can do once you have access to information to okay, I'm a little bit creeped out here that it's <laughs> Now it's predicting <laughs> what we're going to be dressing as at Halloween and telling me that in in Billings, Montana, Maleficent is unusually popular for that for that location. I'm sure <laughs> they, they know what they're doing. Google knows all. <laughs> was that a better? All, all we ask was listeners that is that sk- use this sk- information for good and not evil. That's 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 all we can say. Do the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, this we could we could go on all night. <laughs> So it's a fun site. We'll uh, put the, put it on the notes. And we want to thank everyone for listening to material and that we hope that slowly as you listen to our, uh, you know, our podcast, you would uh, slowly start giving more of your rights away to Google and uh, let Google help you, like finding out what you should be for Halloween. Russell, uh, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on the Twitter at Rusty Shelf. So rusty like oxidized shelf like the thing you put your books on. And Andy, where can people find you and your awesome uh, Halloween costume? <laughs> uh, usually, just check my check out my Twitter feed. I'm uh, at Anatko I H N A T K O. And yes, I will probably take a pic. I'll probably uh, put a, post a photo of myself in my costume on Saturday. As uh, as I tweeted today, I'm I'm concerned that I've crossed the line into actual cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll find out we'll find out which is fine you know i think it's cool yes do, do, do you answer the door like in costume or do you just no i'm terrible i have like this like unicorn uh like uh hat thing okay, that i least, wear and that's about it, at least you're but, it uh, so i just put that on when i take my daughter out and we we all go with my husband daughter and family go out but my daughter does dress up so yeah i had Maybe I should invest in a. I need to invest in a costume next year. Listeners, maybe Google can tell me what I should be next year. They can set the trends in so I don't, you know, run into someone with the same costume because that would be embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, last year there was like a bunch of Elsas, but yeah. So I'm um, at Yasmin Evian on Twitter, and you can follow us at, at Material Podcast. 
on Twitter, and you can email us feedback at materialpodcasts at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at relay.fm forward slash material. Until next time, stay in material. Banana. Banana is 148, and it's trending up. That banana, keep an eye out for it. I'm just watching you guys talk. <laughs> no. <laughs>